You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. All right, so the topic for uh, today's learning is Hanukkah for grown-ups. Okay, so before we dive into some actual text, um, what I was uh, interested to, to hear, kind of, you know, um, going, not necessarily around the table, but uh, for anybody who wants to volunteer themselves, um, if I were to ask you to tell me about Hanukkah, what would you tell me? I think it depends who's asking the question. I mean, are you as the rabbi asking, <laughs> or are you my non-Jewish coworker? That's, okay, all right, fine. So uh, that's a, that's a good point. Okay, so let's do a different. All right, let's assume I'm not the rabbi asking you the question. Uh, let's assume. I guess there are two categories of people maybe that would ask you the question. Right, one are your uh, kids, and one are your non-Jewish coworkers. All right, so so maybe the answers are different for them. So let's start with the non-Jewish coworker. So usually once they get over the, the panic that I don't celebrate Christmas, <laughs> and how could that possibly be? A blank you know. stare. Like, right. Like, Tell me about <laughs> Jewish Christmas. Right, <laughs> right. Um, you know, I just explained to them that, it's, that it is an eight-day holiday, that it's not focused on gift-giving, that it's focused on more family time and, you know, lighting candles and singing songs and having special foods and family meals and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that's what I would focus on. So I guess, okay, let me clarify the question a little bit. So, um, so then they say to you, okay, that's nice. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. What's Hanukkah about? They don't normally say that. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is about the birth. Yeah, right. So let's assume for the. It's about Santa Claus. Right. right. Let's assume for the sake of argument, that's what they say. Let's 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 say what they ask. Like, what what's Hanukkah about? I say it's about it's a minor holiday um, about where um, we where the Jews were able to recapture the the temple. I leave it. I make it as simple as that. Okay. So and you if they ask why is it eight nights? We tell them the eight night story. <laughs> so what's the eight night story? You know the the, the oil thing. <laughs> the oil uh-huh. thing. <laughs> Sounds like a scandal. <laughs> you know the, the, it was only supposed to burn for one day, lasted for eight, so they could make more that kind of thing. Okay. The miracle. The miracle story. Yeah. So the the essential story is the. Uh, <clears throat> the the story the military story right. of recapturing the temple, right. but the secondary story is the is the miracle story. That's the ex- explains why it's eight nights to the non-Jew. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, and 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 what about your kids? Okay, so let's say you know your 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 kids ask you know what's Hanukkah about? Um, aside from the fact you know I want I want presents for eight nights, and aside from the fact that we, you know, we're going to light the menorah and and have latkes for eight nights, um, what's what's Hanukkah about? What do you tell them? I, I always say because I was I used to uh, in the schools when I used to go through talk to the kids, 
I would talk about the fact that Hanukkah is really about freedom of religion. Mm. How so? I try to put it that way because I, because that's really what it is in some essence, is be able to practice your religion and not have to be fearful mm. of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that makes sense to them. That's what it's all about. I try to make... That, that to me is essentially, I mean, there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. But if you try to explain it to non-Jewish children, mm -hmm. or even children in general, mm -hmm. it's about freedom of religion, being able to, um, hmm. I don't know what else to say. Cool, okay. And, and I don't know so much, I'm trying to think that, that I tell them anything necessarily. I mean, you know, they went to Jewish preschool, they go to mm -hmm. they go to school here. So I think what we do more is we show them how we mm -hmm. celebrate it, mm -hmm. you know, by, by what we do in our home. So what do you think they would tell you? Because they learn about the story in preschool. What do you think is the story that they that they learn? They know that oil lasted for eight nights. Why do they get donuts? What do, what do donuts have to do with Hanukkah? Yes. Ah, okay. So the, so the, the, the story of Hanukkah involves oil, so we uh, um, eat, oil. eat oily foods, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. It's a hard, healthy holiday. <laughs> well, you know, it's olive oil, so it's, it's supposed to be olive oil, so it's like, you know, um, it's got antioxidants or whatever. It's I'm not sure they good get fats. any deeper meaning than that. Mm. Well, I think, and I tell people, too, that it is a really, it's a much bigger holiday in the United States than it is a lot of other places, because yeah. Christmas is such a crazy thing, and yeah. I think a lot of people try to, I don't know if compensate's the right word, but, you know, mm -hmm. your kids have non-Jewish friends if you live in Richmond, you know, they're not. <clears throat> That's the biggest explanation yeah. to a non-Jew, mm -hmm. is that it's really not Christmas to right, us. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. This end, is not what, our what major I, holiday by any stretch. What I eventually is that... That you know, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur would be our Christmas and Easter. Mm -hmm. That's usually what where it ends up. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know that this is just like, are you going to miss work? Uh -huh. Not in a negative way. Yeah. Like, but why aren't you missing work? <laughs> right. right. You know, I'm like, well, it's really not that big a deal. You say, you, <laughs> your boss asks you that. You say, yes, I do need to miss work. <laughs> eight days. I eight days. I need I have them all lots off. Of things to fry. Paid. <laughs> paid time. This is a religious out. celebration. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, good. Um, the, so what, what, the reason I asked, and I'm glad that we got some of these uh, uh, issues out on the table, what I want to do together is kind of, um, in some ways, explode the common uh, um, understanding of what Hanukkah is about and where Hanukkah comes from. Um, uh, uh, as a quick aside, um, it's not only big in America, it's also in some ways disproportionately big in Israel, um, and in, in part because, you know, so, it, so the, the, um, the American angle on Hanukkah, which is very interesting, is very much the religious freedom angle, I think, and in part because that's a very part of, big part of the American story and the American Jewish story. In Israel, Hanukkah is also disproportionately uh, uh, major in terms of the holidays, right? It, there, there's Hanukkah stuff everywhere in Israel, and everybody celebrates Hanukkah in Israel. But in large part, the issue in Israel is about um, uh, Jewish military superiority, right? The, the ability to, uh, to establish... Uh, an independent Jewish state, which is one of the things that the Maccabees do. So one of the, the interesting things about Hanukkah, and we'll look at this uh, in some of these texts, is that 
Um, there are different angles and approaches to it, and depending on your vantage point, you might take latch on to one angle versus the other. So one of the challenges is, um, and what I wanted to uh, kind of do today, I thought would be fun, is to sort of like blow that all up and uh, try, if we can, to get to the essence of like what's really going on in the Hanukkah story um, and what it, uh, what what re- what we can really learn from what actually may or may not have happened. Okay, so that's what I want to. Um, so that's what I want to try to do. Okay. Um, so, so I'm always what we don't talk about a lot with Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. It really was a civil war mm. among the Jews, mm-hmm. and that the Maccabees represented the more mm-hmm. re- keep the tradition type yeah. as opposed to the the ones who Hellenic type Jews yeah. who were practicing. Or not practice Judaism. Yeah. So I always thought it was that. But that's the part we don't talk about a whole lot. You're you're right, and and I'm glad you brought that up, Bob, because when you were mentioning that uh, that um, you know one of the ways you would describe Hanukkah is that it's about religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure when you look at the actual story and you say that that in some ways. It is about religious freedom because it's about the Maccabees um, rebelling against the um, uh, Greek government that had banned certain Jewish practices. We got some lakas. All right, all right. Um, <coughs> but it was. I don't, I don't explain that part because I feel like I don't want to get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear you. I, I hear you. Talk about religious. No, so <laughs> I mean, but what? Right, no, I understand. I understand. But so. You know, so so for, for, from from the Maccabees' perspective, it was about religious freedom. From you know, at least half of the Jewish population's perspective, it was about religious tyranny, right? Uh, because it was about the Maccabees trying to impose their brand of Judaism on the rest of the Jewish population, which is a uh, um, sort of a, an, an interesting thing. Um, this is also <clears throat> what's also um, <coughs> excuse me. What's also um, Oh, I think I got like there was like cinnamon in the air. And yeah, like, uh, and, uh, right. And apple, um, so um, club, they're not slouches there with their. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, um, one of the one, you know um, there's this new movie about uh, the Exodus story that's that's out and Christian Bale is getting a lot of press because he's on the you know junket to promote the movie because he plays Moses. And uh, and he made a comment to the effect of like Moses um, was a terrorist, and um, and if he if it were modern day, uh, if it were the modern day, he would be in Guantanamo Bay and waterboarded, right, um, or something like that. Taking up a lot of people. <laughs> yes, I understand. Right, There's a lot of people. Although although he listen, hi, um, he. Hi, um, Although he, he, I mean, there's a whole, there's, there's a whole bunch there. I mean, he's also, you know, uh, white and Welsh, and like, n- you know, no one in the movie is Middle Eastern, even though it takes place <laughs> in Egypt and involves Hebrews and Norman. Here you go. Um, but, but he, listen, he raises a really interesting question because if you apply those uh, modern terms in the ancient world. You could make, I think, a pretty convincing argument that Moses had a lot of uh, terrorist characteristics. You know, he he um, um, 
he's anti-government, right? He, uh, he, he, he led an attack on civilian populations, you know, by turning the water into blood. And, you know, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot there. So the, the issue with Hanukkah is a, is a similar one, right? So who are the Maccabees? Are the Maccabees, you know, um, the uh, um, uh, uh, American revolutionaries fighting against the tyranny of the British government? Are they the pilgrims that are that are uh, m- moving toward religious freedom, or are they, um, or are they, you know, uh, Sunni insurgents uh, trying to fight? A, you know what I mean? So, like, that's the that's the compelling thing I think about the story is it depends on your vantage point. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump in. So the so the rabbis of the Talmud ask a very interesting question. It's interesting in the sense that like you wouldn't expect them to ask this question. Okay, the rabbis of the Talmud is written um, uh, or uh, compiled um, in the uh, in the sixth century CE. Okay, uh, it, it incorporates um, older material. We really are just getting started here. Um, so uh, it incorporates older material than that. Um, um, although you can usually tell the uh, older material in the Talmud from the later material in the Talmud based on the language it's written in. Okay, so if it's written in Hebrew, um, usually it's older material in the Talmud. If it's written in Aramaic, usually it's later material in the Talmud. Okay, so this passage is written in Aramaic. Okay, so that means it's probably uh, 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 later uh, uh, material. Um, but it's a it's a sort of confusing passage about uh, when it might have been written. But what's, what what you definitely should know is that the text that the Talmud is based on is called the Mishnah. Right? The Mishnah was compiled around the second century CE, so a couple hundred years before the Talmud. The Talmud is sort of like an extended commentary on the Mishnah. The Mishnah contains no discussion of Hanukkah at all. It has tractates on every Jewish holiday, has a tractate on Rosh Hashanah, it has a tractate on Yom Kippur, it has a tractate on Passover, it has a tractate on Purim, um, but it has no, not even one discussion of Hanukkah in the entire Mishnah. Okay? Um, so anybody know uh, roughly, uh, chronologically, when the uh, Hanukkah story takes place? Before Common Era, right, good. So, give or take, one, one th- I think the uh, uh, rebellion, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 138 or something like that. Um, so, give or take, you're, you're about right. So, um, so that means about, um, about 300 years before the writing of the Mishnah. Now, it seems very interesting that a, a, a collection of Jewish law and discussion of Jewish holidays would not contain any mention of a holiday that uh, one would have thought would, was invented 300 years before, um, unless the rabbis who wrote the Mishnah either um, didn't know about it, didn't like it, um, or, um, right, right. Um, um, or, or knew about it and were sort of ambivalent to it, but didn't think it was important enough to talk about, right? So that's another possibility. Okay, so the rabbis of the Talmud, um, which is several hundred years later, 
finally introduce the holiday, um, and they do it in the context of a discussion. You can see what tractate it's in. It's in tractate dealing with Shabbat, so it's, a, it's sort of part of a, it's an, uh, a tangent on a conversation about Shabbat candles, okay? As uh, so they start talking about the Hanukkah candles, um, and then they ask this question, my Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? Okay? They don't ask that question about Passover. They don't ask that question about Purim. Right? Those are obvious. But the rabbis need to ask themselves, like, what is Hanukkah? Okay? And here's what they say. We'll just do it in English. As our rabbis taught, so this, that, when, whenever the Talmud introduces something by saying, as our rabbis taught, um, uh, usually it introduces older material. Um, but this, that's why this passage is a little bit confusing, because it's introduced by our rabbis taught this, um, but the language of it is Aramaic, which usually indicates later material. So it's a little bit of a confused passage. Um, but our, as our rabbis taught, on the 25th of Kislev, there are eight days of Hanukkah on which we do not give eulogies or fast. Okay, that's, that's a sort of um, rabbinic speak for these are festive days. Okay? Um, no so, eulogies. What? No eulogies? No eulogies. Meaning, if there's a funeral, there's no eulogies? So, um, there, <clears throat> eulogies in rabbinic speak are kind of a technical term. Um, usually what happens is um, if there's a funeral on Hanukkah, because there can be funerals on Hanukkah unlike, um, say, like the, the first days of Passover, um, usually what will happen is um, people will give what amount to a eulogy, but they won't call it a eulogy. Right? So they'll, call it, they'll call it, you know, words of, words of consolation or something like that. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's the, um, that's, that's the sense of it. Um, there was sort of a, a, a... There's always a workaround. Right, there's always a, a, a workaround, a legal fiction. What, you know, if you call it not a eulogy, then it's not a eulogy, right? Okay. Um, um, okay, so we don't give... So basically what that's saying is, these are, these are festive days. These are celebratory days. For when the Greeks entered the temple, they defiled all the temple's oils. And when the Hasmonean dynasty, um, the... Uh, um, the language of the Talmud there is Malchut um, Beit Hashmonai, which means the, the kingdom of, um, of the children of the Hasmoneans. Uh, that's why I translated it as Hasmonean dynasty. Uh, the Hasmoneans are the Maccabees. Okay? Uh, when the Hasmonean dynasty grew strong and defeated them, uh, the Greeks, they searched but only found one cruise of oil that remained with the seal of the high priest. But it only had enough in it to light for one day. A miracle occurred, and they lit it for eight days. Um, so just uh, just a quick aside, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, uh, the the um, uh, the the seal of the high priest on a cruise of oil, sort of like the the you know on a like a bottle of Snapple, you have like the seal of freshness, and like if the thing doesn't pop, um, that's that's basically what we're talking about, right? If it, if it was broken. Um, yeah. What's that? Seal of good like right, exactly, right. right. The freshness seal, the seal of good housing. So, um, so if it didn't have it on it, then you didn't know. It, it's not so much about it being kosher or not kosher, because all oil is kosher. It's about it being pure or impure, right? Um, and so um, everything that, uh, that, that was used in temple rituals had to be ritually pure. And there were various things that could defile, uh, 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 defile um, uh, uh, ritual items, among them uh, coming into contact with uh, with corpse, or if a person who came into contact with a corpse were to touch um, a, a ritual item, um, 
any, I mean, you could look at Leviticus. I mean, any number of things would make something uh, impure. Um, so uh, kosher, not kosher is not really the words I would, I would use. Um, but the seal of the high priest means that this is uh, oil that's sealed off and, um, and uh, 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 insusceptible to impurity because it's sealed off. Right? So when they, they uh, only found one cruise of oil that had the seal of the high priest, they only found one cruise of oil that, uh, that was uh, uh, still pure, even though the Greeks had... Um, entered the temple and defiled it. Okay, and the rabbis of the Talmud don't say exactly how the Greeks defiled the temple. They just sort of let that stand. The Greeks defiled the temple. Um, by the way, they don't give really any other... What, what, what's missing from uh, this account? We see that the Greeks entered the temple and defiled all the temple's oils. What else? What do we not know about or learn about in this? any of the other stuff in the temple. Okay, good, right? So, you know, were they just, were the, the Greeks just had a vendetta against the oil in the temple? <laughs> okay, good. What else do we not hear about in this story? There's no real talk of them fighting with each other. Good. Right, where's the war? Right? Yeah. Excellent. Where's the war? <laughs> the media has gotten involved. <laughs> right? The presumption is that because the Hasmonean dynasty was so strong that they had defeated the, uh, the Greeks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although you know, what's interesting is that you uh, this this is not political. This is religious, right? So uh, there's no talk about the Greeks um, uh, ruling Judea. The, the the issue is only that the Greeks are in the temple, and and says the Hasmonean dynasty grew strong and defeated them. You get the sense from this that what 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 at least the rabbis are concerned with, if not the only thing the rabbis know about, is that they kick them out of the temple, right? Not necessarily um, uh, kick them out of the land of Israel and establish their own political commonwealth, right? Um, the rabbis are at least not interested in that if they know about it at all, right? They're interested in the Greeks were in the temple, the Greeks defiled at least the oils in the temple, um, and the, ha- the, the Hasmonean dynasty... Um, uh, grew strong and kicked them out of the temple. They found one cruise of oil with the high priest and had only enough in it to light for one day. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, what, what are they, it doesn't say what they're lighting. What, 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 are, they, what are they lighting? The menorah. Good. What was, what, what was the function of the menorah in the temple? Give light. <laughs> uh, good. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, yes and no. Um, it was more ceremonial, right? Um, but it was one of the ritual items in the in in the temple described in uh, in in the book of Exodus um, as needing to be um, uh, perpetually functioning. We're talking about the menorah, not the Hanukkiah. The menorah, not the Hanukkiah, right? So the Hanukkiah is a uh, is sort of a modern term. Um, for I don't even think that the term uh, uh, shows up in um, the legal literature. It's interesting that uh, um, in from the Talmud on, the law is mitzvah Chanukah ner ish uveto, which means that the the the, um, the mitzvah of Chanukah is um, um, one candle. Per house, right? So um, that's all you need to light on Hanukkah. 
is one candle per house. So you can be like all your neighbors um, and put like one candle in the window. Uh, <laughs> um, something I didn't know existed until I moved to Richmond. Yeah. Um, now, the, what's, what's amazing about it is that uh, the, the um, legal literature goes on to say that, um, that if you want to you know, take on additional stringencies or, or um, uh, beautify the mitzvah, then, um, then you can light a candle each night, an additional candle each night, and you get the conversation between Hillel and Shammai about whether you start with eight and work your way down to one, or you start with one and work your way up to eight. Um, and uh, um, and then the the additional thing is you know not not only having you know one uh, menorah per per household but having um, uh, one per person per household right which which some people do um, but uh, uh, but here we're just talking about a menorah which is a seven branched candelabra okay. Um, so they only had enough to light this menorah for one day. It has to be perpetually lit. Um, and so a miracle occurred, and they lit it for eight days. Okay, what's the significance of eight days? That's how long it took to make the pure oil again? Or to... No, it doesn't say that. Yeah, right. We don't know. We don't know. It was a good number. Um, it was a good number. Okay, I, there, there is a reason for eight days. Um, uh, but I think it has nothing to do with the oil and the miracle of it. Um, I think that this is a, 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 a constructed story. Okay, so the next year <laughs> they established and made them as holy days for praise and thanksgiving. Okay, all right. Um, well, let, there's some like other things are eight days, right? So maybe what else is eight days? Passover. Well, okay, sort of. Passover is sort of eight days. Um, Passover is eight days in diaspora, but not in well, yeah. in Israel, right? Sukkot is also eight. Well, Sukkot is um, uh, in some senses eight days even in Israel because you have the seven days of Sukkot and then uh, Shmini Atzeret, which is an additional holiday that's on the eighth day. So Sukkot is an important uh, uh, piece of the puzzle here. What else is eight days? The time. Mm-hmm, good. Eight days until the baby's bris. Um, okay, there's one other that's a little bit more obscure. Um, but um, in um, uh, in Leviticus, when the tabernacle is dedicated, um, which is the, um, the the precursor to the temple that stood permanently in Jerusalem. Uh, the Israelites, when they're wandering in the wilderness, have a portable sanctuary they carry around with them. It's built, and it's dedicated. This dedication ceremony lasts for how many days, would you think? Eight, eight days. Good. The dedication ceremony lasts for eight days. And when Solomon dedicates his temple, the first temple, how long do you think the dedication ceremony of that temple lasts for? Eight days. Eight days. Good. Um, so... So the so the issue uh, at, at least of uh, this this miracle that occurred according to the rabbis why why is eight days significant maybe they needed to get more oil maybe whatever but they need it to be eight days because the dedication ceremony if they're going to follow the biblical models needs to last for eight days right. Um, they're following a precedent, so to say. They're following a precedent, right now. You know. Uh, why does the why does the uh, um, oil need to last miraculously for eight days? Why couldn't they just like the next day get more oil? Um, uh, I I don't know. Uh, but uh, the rabbis aren't concerned with that question. Um, 
It, it's also really interesting, um, just as an aside, um, if the oil that was supposed to last for one day lasted for eight days, how many days was there a miracle? Seven days, right? The first day, there was no miracle. There, there's enough oil for that day. What's in, so it's interesting that we celebrate the miracle for eight nights, even though the miracle is only for seven. Um, okay. So the next year, they established... What's that? <laughs> One last present, yeah. Tell your kids, no presents on the first night, because there's no miracle tonight. <laughs> And we'll see if there's a Hanukkah miracle of them not rebelling like the Maccabees. Like I won't be around that busy. Hanukkah is not really a celebration of the miracle of the oil, is it? Ah, okay. So that's a really interesting question. Let's let's go on and we'll we'll talk about that. So the next year they established them and made them as holy days for praise and thanksgiving. Okay. So remember what we said about the timeline of, you know, the, the Maccabean revolt and when the Mishnah was written and when the Talmud was uh, uh, compiled. Um, this says the year after the Maccabees dedicated the temple and there was this miracle, they established a holiday. Isn't it strange that if that's the case, there's no mention of it in a, in a central Jewish legal text several hundred years later um, until... Um, uh, nearly half a millennium later, or more than half a millennium later, it's finally addressed in a very small way. Um, okay? All right. So that's what the Talmud says about it. Let's just hold that sort of in the back of our heads now. And now you have uh, um, the um, addition in the liturgy that we have um, for, um, for, for Hanukkah. Okay? Um, in the days of Matityahu, son of Yohanan, the, ha- the Hasmonean high priest and his sons. Let's just pause there for a second. What piece of information do we have about um, uh, the, the Hasmoneans in this passage that we don't have in the Talmud? The Talmud talks about them as the the Hasmonean dynasty, Hasmonean dynasty, and the... Give more of the timeline, I guess, or not? Uh, a little bit, okay, so you have the days of Matityahu, who, uh, son of Yochanan, so you have the high priest. The high priest. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Um, does anybody know what tribe the priests come from? The... The priests are the Kohanim. The Kohanim are a subsection of a larger tribe. The, the Levites, right? So uh, Levi is the son of Jacob, or the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob. Um, um, 12 tribes of Israel, so we have Lakas too. Um, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, Jacob's um, uh, third son is Levi, and Levi is the person from whom um, all of the priests and the functionaries in the temple come from, right? And there are priests who are a specific family among the Levites, um, and then there's the Levites uh, as, a, as a more general category. Bring your fresh <laughs> Thanks, Marty. Um, there's also donuts. Um, uh, does anybody know what tribe... Uh, the kings of Israel are supposed to come from. Does anybody know what 
at least what tribe they're not supposed to come from. They're supposed, not supposed to come from. Okay, so the the first the first king of Israel is a Benjaminite. Okay, King Saul. But after that, um, the, uh, the 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 uh, the proper uh, line of the kings are supposed to be from the tribe of Judah, right? David is a, is from the tribe of Judah, um, and after the uh, destruction of the the eventually. David's kingdom, or Solomon's kingdom, splits into two. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, their kings are not from the tribe of Judah, but um, uh, the, the Bible uh, sees all of those kings virtually... Uh, um, did, 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 uh, did we pass you one? Yeah, okay. Um, here we go. Um, sees all the kings of the north as, uh, as, as usurpers. They're not uh, legitimate kings. The kings of the south, they may not always be good in the Bible's point of view, um, but they are all from the tribe of Judah and therefore uh, at least have that uh, kind of legitimacy. Um, in 722, the northern kingdom of Israel is destroyed by the Assyrians. That's where you get the, like, 12, the 10 lost tribes of Israel. Um, and the only remaining kingdom is uh, the kingdom of Judah. Uh, the kingdom of Judah is what is destroyed in 586 BCE by the Babylonians. That's when the first temple is destroyed and uh, uh, there's a Babylonian exile. Um, after that, you get the story because uh, the Persians uh, conquer the Babylonian kingdom. Then you get the, the story of, uh, of, uh, of Purim. Um, some Jews go back to the land of Israel uh, after the Persians conquer the Babylonian empire, and they rebuild the temple and rebuild uh, Jewish population there. Um, but uh, from that moment on, the only two remaining tribes are Judites and, and Levites. Okay, But the, the larger... Uh, category, because um, the Levites are really sort of a small population among the larger population of Judah, um, from that point on, really what it means to be a Jew is to be from the tribe of Judah. That's where the name Jew comes from, okay? So you really have two categories of people um, uh, by the time of the rabbis. You have Israelites, right, who are actually Judites, um, from whom it is possible for uh, um, uh, kings to come from. And you have Levites, from whom it's possible for priests to come from, but the two can't overlap and interact. There's a separation of church and state. Exactly. There's a separation of church and state. Right? You had these this power, right? You had this power dynamic in the ancient world. You had you had kings, priests, and prophets. Right? You had uh, and they and they all were sort of checks on each other. Um, so, what happens with the Maccabean rebellion? The priests become kings. The priests become kings. And if you are a uh, you know if you are a a, a Bible thumping rabbi. Uh, would you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing? It turns out to be very bad. Okay, so it tur- we'll, we'll see what, how it turns out. It does turn out to be very bad. That's where Bob was mentioning before, this sort of, something of a civil war, right? Um, it turns out to be very bad. And in fact, um, uh, the, the end, I'll you know, give away the, the, the story, right? What happens to uh, um, the, the, the uh, Hasmonean dynasty ultimately is that they um, give way for Rome to come in and exert their dominance over the land of Israel. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, and you know how the, uh, um, the, the Jews have a very 
troubled relationship with Rome. Um, and uh, the rabbis emerge as really the um, sole um, uh, remaining class of Jews after um, the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 CE by the Romans. Um, so the rabbis really become the ones who get to write Jewish history um, after 70 CE, um, or the rabbinic movement in Judaism becomes the ones who get to write Jewish history after the, the fall of uh, the Second Temple in 70 CE. Um, and if I am a rabbi looking back at the destructive history of, of the Jewish relationship with Rome, what might I think about the people who I see as responsible for Rome getting entrance into the land of Israel in the first place? I might think, what about them? Right, I might not like them very much, right? Okay, now, how they end up letting Rome in is another, is another really interesting question. We'll get to that in a second. But I also, if, in, from a religious point of view, I don't like them because um, they are not legitimate, right? You can be a priest or you can be a king, but you can't be a priest king. There is supposed to be a separation of powers, right? That's a, you know, God said it in the Bible, right? You can only, uh, you, can, you can be a king if you're from the tribe of Judah, you can be a priest of your tribe of Levi, that's it. Okay, so, so here we have in our liturgy um, a piece of information about the Maccabees that the rabbis deliberately leave out of their telling of the story. Right? They call them the, the Malchut Beit Chashmonai. When the rabbis use the term Malchut, there's almost exclusively one Malchut that they refer to, which is Rome. Right? The rabbis think of the Hasmoneans almost in the same language and breath that they think of the Romans. Right? They are um, a kingship. They are a kingdom, right? They are not, um, they are not Jewish saviors, right? Um, uh, the rabbis, for what it's worth, don't in this story, in the story of the Talmud that we looked at, don't endorse the holiday that the, uh, that the Hasmoneans uh, uh, established, right? They, um, uh, the 25th of Kislev, their 8th days of Hanukkah, we don't give eulogies or fast, right? So they, they talk about it, but it's, they, they're not, they don't say... This is a good thing, and we should do it. Yeah. They memorialize, they memorialize the miracle. They memorialize the miracle, but not what? But, but not the historical circumstances. Right, right, right. Um, so the miracle is, is, is a manifestation of God's power in, in all of this. Yeah. But, you know, all, that, all the politics that went along with right. this, they'd rather not yeah. recall. And so, and so just hold on to Gary's comment for, uh, for, uh, for, for a moment. And we'll, we'll come back to the miracle, okay? So, um, okay, so the days of Matityahu, son of Yochanan, the Hasmonean high priest and his son, when the kingdom, okay, here's that word, malchut yavan harasha, right? So the, the kingdom of Greece, the wicked kingdom, I didn't even add uh, in English, so when the wicked kingdom of Greece rose against your people Israel to make them abandon Torah and forsake the decrees of your will. Um, uh, you, in your, so I just want to, point out there that um, the, the language here is in some senses a little bit ambiguous because um, who is responsible for uh, um, the, the people of Israel abandoning Torah and forsaking the decrees of God's will? The people of Israel, it seems to me. In some ways it's Greece because 
Uh, I mean, we know that there were certain decrees that made certain Jewish practices forbidden, but this to me seems to put the agency in the hands of the Jews. But there's the, the whole issue of assimilation. Right. I mean, the Hellenists can come in and basically draw them into their culture and away from their traditional culture. Well, right, but whose choice is it to... Uh, to no, no, right, no, yeah. I, I, I'm saying yeah. that, you know, right. that when you assimilate, that, that's a choice you make, right. whether to take on the, you know, the, in, the intruding culture or whether to hold on to your tradition. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Sorry. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, okay. So, all right, so they, so everybody's uh, forsaking Torah, um, whether because the Greeks are making them or because they like what the Greeks have to offer. You and your you God and your great compassion stood for them in the time of their need. You fought their battle. You implemented their judgment. You avenged their vendettas. You delivered the mighty into the hands of the weak, and the many into the hands of the few and the impure into the hands of the pure, and the wicked into the hands of the righteous, and deviants into the hands of those who fulfill your Torah. Uh, okay. Um, let's just actually keep going. Okay. You made for yourself a great and holy name in your world, and for your people Israel you made a great salvation and redemption as this day. And afterward your children came to dedicate your house, and they cleared your sanctuary, and they purified your holy place, and they lit lamps in your holy courtyards, and they established these eight days of Hanukkah for thanking and praising your great name. Okay, so according to the Sidor, what's Hanukkah about? Thanking and praising God. Okay, for what? For restoring the people, I guess. For triumph over Greece. For triumph over Greece. Good. Um, And the triumph is both uh, political, right, and religious, right, because uh, uh, Greece is either directly or indirectly responsible for the people abandoning Torah. Um, by the way, the way I paused in that list of, you know, uh, of God um, uh, helping uh, secure the victory, where it talks about, you know, the wicked into the hands of the righteous and deviants into the hands of those who fulfill your Torah. I'm not convinced that the author of this is exclusively talking about uh, the Maccabees against the Greeks. No. Yeah. Not at all, because yeah. this is all being written in the Christian era. Right. I mean, this is being written in, in probably early Middle Ages, yeah. where you've got actually the Crusaders, you know, you know, coming through Europe. Um, so in many ways, the Greeks become the Christians, mm-hmm. and then the current issue is Jews trying to hold on to their identity mm. and their culture in mm. the face of of, of Christianity. But there was division among the Jews, too. Right, right. right. I mean, right. The Maccabees saved Judaism by well, so, so the influence of the Jews. The, the Maccabees... Yeah, I mean, well, listen, the, the Maccabees... Uh, I, I just want to... I think you're right, and I want to just spin it with, with, the, with the slight twist. So the Maccabees saved their vision of what Judaism ought to be, right? Um... Uh, whether they saved Judaism is a different, I think, kind of question. It seems to me, and this is uh, uh, something of the punchline, the rabbis were a little bit ambivalent about the fact that the Maccabees saved Judaism, right? Uh, the Maccabees cleared the temple of the Greeks. The rabbis seemed to be happy about that. Um, 
the um, but uh, whether they save Judaism is a they they don't talk about the what Bob pointed out before the internal civil war between Jew and Jew. Um, I'm not sure that the rabbis were were uh, were thrilled about that. Um, they weren't necessarily, it seems to me, convinced that uh, that the Maccabees re- represented the ideal or best path to Judaism, um, and. Clearly, they at least disagreed with them on one point, which is, can a priest be a king, right? Um, and so the, that, that's a major point to the rabbis. Um, uh, and, and so it seems that the rabbis are, at, at, at the very least, ambivalent about the kind of Judaism that the Maccabees saved, right? Yeah. No, 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 I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, that, you know, think about what happened to the the Bible itself, it got translated into Greek, and mm-hmm. that became right the mm-hmm. the Bible as it was known by mm-hmm. early Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a close linkage between the Greeks and the emergence of Christianity, which right. was in a sense sort of a merging of right. Judaism with with Roman Greek culture. Right. Okay. Good. Let's let's keep that in the back of our heads for a second. So there is there is a um, complicated relationship with the outside culture. Um, uh, on the one hand, uh, there's a sense that it is um, corrosive to, uh, to, to, um, to the good old-time Judaism. Um, on the other hand, there's a sense that it actually might be helpful to, uh, to, to Judaism, right? And um, there is... Um, it, it, it seems in some ways um, the rabbis sort of divorce themselves entirely from that conversation in the Talmud. Right? They say this is not a question, uh, this is not an issue of, uh, of assimilation versus not assimilation. We're not going to entertain that conversation. The conversation we want to focus on is kicking the Greeks out of the temple. Right? Um, and so in that sense... It's anti-assimilation because we don't want the Greeks to be part of the temple. But they don't really talk about um, uh, the Jews who adopted or embraced aspects of Greek culture like this blessing does, um, maybe because some of the rabbis themselves um, uh, had uh, um, uh, welcomed into their lives some of the blessings and gifts of Greek culture. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, there's plenty of examples of that uh, that, that, that one can give. Okay, what's missing? What else is missing from the account in the prayer book um, uh, that we just looked at of the holiday of Hanukkah? The names. I mean, the, you know, the, the miracle of the, of the candle, the, of, of, the, of the oil. The miracle of the oil. It's so amazing, right? These two <laughs> accounts um, uh, are like so disconnected from each other, right? The, the Talmud's account has only really talks about the miracle, and doesn't talk about the military struggle, doesn't talk about the political fight, doesn't talk about the reestablishment of sovereignty, just talks about the miracle of oil. This one almost exclusively talks about the war, right? And then the rededication of the temple, but doesn't talk about a miracle at all. Doesn't mention it, right? Does that mean it didn't exist? Does that mean that they're not interested in it? I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating. So here's my presumption. My presumption is... Remember that um, that the issue of eight days um, exists independent of any miracle, 
right? Because a dedication ceremony for a temple lasts for eight days by b- biblical precedent, right? Whether it's because you're relating it to the holiday of Sukkot that has uh, eight days, or whether it's because you're relating it to uh, the accounts in, uh, in, in Leviticus or the accounts in Kings where the temple or tabernacle is dedicated, it has eight days. Um, all that exists independent of a miracle. The story that's given in the uh, Sidor um, doesn't talk about a miracle because a miracle is totally unnecessary to the holiday of Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah itself means what? Dedication, dedication right? The holiday is about dedicating the temple uh, after it had been, rededicating the temple after it had been defiled by the Greeks. And a dedication ceremony for the temple lasts eight days. You don't need, that doesn't need to be the miracle. According to the, according to the account in the Sidor, what's the miracle of Hanukkah? But what's the miracle? Right, right. The miracle is is military. The miracle is, is in some ways more naturalistic, right? That uh, that a small force could overwhelm a large force. That a righteous force could overwhelm a wicked force, right? That's the miracle according to the Sidor, not the uh, not the uh, not the oil lasting for longer than it's supposed to. All right, let's go on a little bit uh, uh, further. Okay, so this is the Book of Maccabees. Okay, um, which is uh, um, uh, the closest to a first-hand account that we have of the uh, of the uh, um, events surrounding Hanukkah. Okay. Then Judas and his brothers said, See, our enemies are crushed. Let us go up to cleanse the sanctuary and dedicate it. So all the army assembled and went up to Mount Zion. There they saw the sanctuary desolate, the altar profaned, and the gates burned. Then they tore their clothes and mourned with great lamentation. Then Judas detailed men to fight against those in the citadel, until he had cleansed the sanctuary. He chose blameless priests devoted to the law. And they cleansed the sanctuary, they tore down the altar, this, by when it says tore down the altar, Um, when it says they tore down the altar, they mean um, an altar that, oh, sorry, thanks, thanks. Um, When it says they tore down the altar, they mean uh, the altar that the Greeks had apparently erected in the temple to engage in uh, uh, Greek pagan worship. Um, They tore down the altar and built a new altar like the former one. They also rebuilt the sanctuary and the interior of the temple and consecrated the courts. They made new holy vessels. Early in the morning on the 25th day of the ninth month, which is the month of Kislev, they rose and offered sacrifice as the law directs on the new altar of burnt offering that they had built. At the very season and on the very day that the Gentiles had profaned it, it was dedicated with songs and harps and lutes and cymbals. By the way, um, uh, that that, uh, notion of on the very day that the Gentiles came and profaned it might remind you of another holiday that predates Hanukkah. Making a holiday on the day that uh, the Gentiles tried to destroy something Jewish. Anybody ring any bells to anybody? Purim, very good, right? So we celebrate the holiday on Purim uh, on the day that Haman was supposed to have destroyed the Jews. Purim predates the Hanukkah story. I mean, depending on your, I mean, whether or not the Purim story actually 
Well, anyway, um, but um, anyway, it, pre- it, it predates the Hanukkah story, okay, let's just say that, right, uh, and, and uh, was certainly a holiday that was celebrated by, uh, by, by the Jews of, uh, of, of the time. There is a whole tractate in the Mishnah that deals with Purim, unlike Hanukkah, okay, so the, the authors of the book of, Maccabe- the authors of, the book of Maccabees uh, knew about Purim, and it seems like in some ways modeled uh, their account of Hanukkah on the Purim story, right, on the very day that the Gentiles had profaned it. Um, now, it seems to me that profaning the temple is sort of a process more than like a day that it happened, but maybe it's like the day that they first entered the temple, I don't know. Anyway, um, it was dedicated with songs and hearts and loops and, uh, uh, and symbols. All the people fell on their faces and worshipped and blessed heaven who had prospered them. So they celebrated the dedication of the altar for eight days and joyfully offered burnt offerings. They offered a sacrifice of well-being and a thanksgiving offering. There was great joy among the people, and the disgrace brought by the Gentiles was removed. Then Judas and his brothers and all the assembly of Israel determined that every year at the season, uh, at that season, the days of dedication of the altar, Chanukat Hamizbeach, uh, right, um, should be observed with joy and gladness for eight days beginning with the 25th day of the month of Kislev. Um, at that time, they fortified Mount Zion with high walls and strong towers all around to keep the Gentiles from coming and trampling them down as they had done before. Okay, what's missing from the account in the book of Maccabees? The oil, right? No miracle of the oil. So one wonders Why are we where. All this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> We're eating fried food because it's delicious. Yeah, we need it. We're lighting candles because it's beautiful, right? Um, it, one wonders where the rabbis got this idea of a miracle of oil. They were always creative. They were always creative, right? Um, it, it seems to me that the that the issue stems from. Um, a, a profound ambivalence that the rabbis have about uh, about the story of Hanukkah, about the Mac. Right? They don't want it to be about this military victory. They don't want it to be about the supremacy of the 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 Hasmoneans um, over the Greeks and the establishment of Hasmonean rule. So they basically wipe them out of the story. Um, flatten the story um, uh, to, to just talk about them entering the temple. Um, and the issue was not them dedicating the temple so much as it was um, them um, uh, fixing the temple up and relighting the menorah, and the miracle was about the menorah and not so much about, uh, uh, about the uh, dedication. Right? The, the rabbis don't really even talk about the dedication. Right? They say they defeated the Greeks, um, they 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 uh, they uh, kicked them out of the temple and uh, and then they lit the menorah right with the with with the one cruise of oil that they found. There's no talk of even dedicating the temple, perhaps because the rabbis were um, uh, um, uh, ambivalent about the worthiness of the Hasmoneans to actually do that to dedicate the temple. Right? Who dedicates the uh, temple in? Leviticus, Moses dedicates the tabernacle. In, um, uh, um, in the book of Kings, Solomon dedicates the tabernacle. Who, Moses, Solomon, these are, um, these are kings, right? This, that's their role, right? The priests function, officiate in the dedication of the temple. So the rabbis are very ambivalent about it. And it's not only, I think, because of um, the, the confusion of role of priests and king. Um, I think it has to do with uh, um, what happens after 
the story. Okay, so you get a little bit of a hint of that at the end of the book of Maccabees. They fortified Mount Zion with high walls and strong towers all around to keep the Gentiles from coming and trampling them down as they had done before. Right? They established their kingdom. Right? And they built walls. They built walls. Um, they, 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 they established a, a, a self-sustaining self um, uh, Jewish uh, commonwealth, um, which is in part why uh, Hanukkah is um, uh, uh, such a major holiday in uh, Israel nowadays. Um, but what happens um, to those Maccabees after they build these walls and establish their kingdom independent of Greece? Corrupt. Yeah, right. So they, they do a handful of things. The first, the, you know, so after they uh, uh, after they uh, rid the land of Israel of the Greeks, they attempt to rid the land of Israel of Greek sympathizers, right? Uh, among among the Jews, um, they engage in uh, wars of conquest um, uh, to expand the borders of the land of Israel. Um, in, uh, doing some things like forcibly converting uh, uh, surrounding peoples. Um, one of the groups of peoples that they forcibly convert are known as the Idumeans, um, uh, from whom um, a, uh, a Roman king who identified himself as a Jew because his ancestors had been uh, converted by the Hasmoneans in Idumea uh, becomes one of the most ruthless uh, um, uh, kings of, uh, of uh, that, that symbolize Roman dominance. Of course, like all ancient kings, um, the more ruthless you are, the more likely you are to be called the great. Uh, so who, who, who? Herod. Herod. Good. Right. Herod is a direct result of the uh, of, of the Hasmonean rule. Um, the other issues that that are involved in in the Hasmonean rule. So they they establish this kingdom, this you know pure Jewish kingdom, and then proceed to become virtually indistinguishable from the Greek rulers who had existed before with political intrigue and strife and uh, corruption, um, uh, lust for power, uh, zealotry, civil war. Um, so what, what ends up happening, the reason that uh, Rome comes to uh, uh, dominate the land of Israel is because there's a civil war among um, uh, some of the latter uh, descendants of the Hasmoneans, um, and they invite the Romans basically to broker the the civil war, and the Romans take the opportunity to broker the civil war as uh, the opportunity to have a foothold in uh, in Judea and end up controlling um, uh, Judea until the fall of the Roman Empire, right? Um, leading to all sorts of um, pain and suffering for the, for the Jewish people, right? Um, you know, everything from um, uh, um, um, uh, well, I was going to say um, um, uh, uh, religious coercion um, that was um, at least as threatening as the, um, as Antiochus's uh, um, religious coercion um, 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 leading to re Jewish rebellion um, and a brutal crushing of that rebellion, which is what happens in 70 uh, CE with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Um, years of, of, uh, of, of um, um, oppression 
and um, and uh, and slaughter of uh, Jews by the hands of the Romans. Um, many Jews who um, who during Roman period saw themselves as the heirs of the Maccabees in trying to rid themselves of Roman oppression, which then led to more oppression, right? Um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, ultimately, by, you know, by the time you get to the compiling of the Mishnah in, in 200, around the second century CE, the Mishnah is compiled um, after um, um, uh, another wave of uh, failed rebellion and um, and persecution uh, by the Romans of the of the Jews. It's no wonder that the rabbis deliberately, it seems to me, leave Hanukkah out of the Mishnah, um, either because they don't want the Romans to uh, see them celebrating this holiday that uh, that is really a model for trying to fight against um, an, an oppressive power, or because the rabbis themselves didn't like the idea that uh, that there was this. Uh, um, uh, uh, battle that was that they were ambivalent about and that led to so much Jewish trouble um, until and they really only address it many centuries later and they do it in such a way as to strip it of all military significance and, and connotation making it entirely about um, religious purification and a miracle that no one had talked about before them um, it's an amazing thing. So here's what I want to end with. I want to end with uh, uh, something that my, my teacher uh, mentioned, uh, 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 talked about uh, uh, w with regard to this, and then we can uh, sort of open for comments and conversations. So what Hanukkah was about was that the Jewish universalists lost and the Jewish particularists won. Okay, so that means that the, that the Jews who supported uh, Greek culture um, lost in the Hanukkah story, right? That if you go back to the account in the Sidor in Birkat Hamazon, right? The uh, the wicked into the hands of the righteous, etc. Whether it's talking about the Greeks, it was probably also talking, at least also talking about the the Jews, right? The Universalists lost. The Jews who said, you know, there's one God, um, and uh, and and uh, and and uh, we can. Uh, borrow and acculturate and assimilate into the outside culture, and the, like that's a good thing. We get a lot from being a part of Greek culture. They lost the the zealots, right? The Sunni extremists, right? They won, right? They won. Right? ISIS came in, right? This is the, the I mentioned this before you came in, right? The 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 the, the uproar over Christian Bale's comments that Moses is a terrorist, right? Okay, so it depends on your perspective on these things, right? We can, when we have the benefits of, you know, 2,000 years of distance from this, we can celebrate the Maccabees as, you know, great victors for religious freedom um, uh, and uh, um, uh, a great triumph of, uh, of, of, you know, Jewish pride and strength and nationalism. If I were the Greeks, I would think of them as ISIS, right? I would think of them as, as Al-Qaeda. Um, so it depends on your perspective. And I'm not saying that, that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are good. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying we should have a holiday to celebrate. That's not what I'm saying. Um, uh, but uh, but, but, but uh, uh, it, it does morally complicate the story to think about the Maccabees in those terms. Um, and the particularist one, and then made... Um, and then made a mess of things because the state that they established was a disaster, right? And um, and isn't that always the case when um, extremists, um, uh, you know, the, the one uh, anomaly in history is that uh, um, uh, the American Republic somehow uh, was able to last, although the initial American Republic um, was uh, basically fell apart. What? 
right, crashed and burned um, and needed to, to totally transform it uh, with, uh, with the writing of the Constitution. Um, but, uh, um, uh, you know, rebels... Uh, make uh, very bad governors, um, uh, especially zealous rebels make very bad governors, which I think is going to be the premise, uh, this is my prediction, of the new Star Wars movie, okay, <laughs> is that the Rebel Alliance is ruling the, uh, the, the, the galaxy, and they're not very good at doing it, okay, so anyway, prediction, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right, power corrupts. Right? The state that they established was a disaster. We all celebrate the very, very beginning of the Maccabees. Like they rededicate the temple. It's all hunky-dory. But we don't come back to visit them ten years later to see, so what are they doing in our beloved Eretz Yisrael? And it isn't pretty. And the ultimate irony is that um, the particularists, the particularists who defeated the universalists, ultimately embraced the universalism, right? The Maccabees become just like the Greeks, um, one of the lasting gifts of the Hasmonean dynasty is that, they were, is that we were sufficiently exposed to Hellenistic culture that we were able to adapt Judaism to become part of Hellenistic Rome, right? So one of the uh, uh, gifts that the Maccabees gave um, that the rabbis don't really give them credit for is that um, uh, by uh, sort of uh, blending the... Um, the temple version of Judaism with a non-temple version of Judaism, which is basically what they do, um, they give way for, uh, for a Judaism that can exist outside of the temple. Um, and had it not been for the particularists taking, uh, to universal, taking on universalism, we would have been, like every other Near Eastern culture, incapable of surviving in that new context. We made our culture compatible with Greco-Roman civilization, and that enabled Judaism to have a living message, which it then continued to transmit. Okay, so here's the challenge of Hanukkah, um, and why you know um, there's you know the, you, you have this battle over Hanukkah even today between um, Jews who you know, and often this is rabbis who, who say, you know, the message of Hanukkah has been lost, it's about Jewish pride and Jewish dominance, right? and it's being coming, you know, totally assimilated to the, even the holiday that's supposed to be against assimilation is being totally blended into the culture because you have Hanukkah bushes and you have presents and you have things like that. And the truth of the matter is that Hanukkah is actually in some ways a celebration of the resilience of Judaism to be able to adapt in new contexts. Right? Um, the rabbis themselves didn't like the military version, but they kept Hanukkah and they reappropriated it um, uh, in part, I think, because it, uh, they needed it to, uh, to, to continue to symbolize that. So part of the message I get out of the Maccabees is that you may want to be a particularist, but if you don't become a universalist particularist, you won't make it. Right? In other words... Um, there's not really such a thing as Judaism totally independent um, and impervious to outside culture, right? That becomes a, a, a fossil and is doomed to suffocate, right? Um, so, you know, the, 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 um, the, the seeming rise of very insular, you know, um, l let's call them ultra-Orthodox communities, um, uh, it is, is not a sustainable model for Judaism. It never was, and it never will be. And my guess is even though there seems, if you look at the Pew Report as a snapshot in time, there seems to be a rise in that segment of the Jewish population. My guess is that that's a, um, a, 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 a his, one snapshot of a historical moment, uh, but these things will tend to be cyclical and uh, a more accommodating Judaism that enables Judaism to adapt and survive and interact with outside cultures is actually 
ultimately going to win out. Because what you don't see in that snapshot is that um, uh, large percentages of people who are in those kinds of cultures, especially in a uh, 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 permeable world like we live in, tend to disaffect from those, right? So um, they go to uh, more liberal streams of Judaism or they reject Judaism entirely, right? It's not sustain. What's sustainable Jewishly and has been true throughout Jewish history is a Judaism that, that interacts with, learns from, tries to incorporate um, aspects of outside culture into Judaism um, while still appropriating it from a Jewish perspective, right? Not totally giving way to the outside culture, but learning from and bringing in the outside culture into Judaism. Gary, you had... No, I was just going to say, though, that the, you know, the opposite extreme of radical secularism or radical rejection of, you know, religion per se right. is, 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 the, is the risk you take right. by, you know, opening up totally to the outside culture, especially, I mean, if we're talking about contemporary situations, right. I mean... That you know, the world we live in now is is you know in many ways um, free of faith. I mean, you know, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and that's the risk. And that was the risk that you perhaps you know the Hasmoneans saw in Hellenism right. was you know we're going to lose Judaism. Right. Right. And I think that's what we fear these days right. in contemporary America is the risk of total assimilation and the loss of Judaism in the process. Right. Right. So that's the second part of what Rabbi Arthur says here, is that you may want to be a universalist, but if you don't learn to love people in their concrete particularity, you won't make it. Right? In other words, um, there, you know, it, uh, it, um, you, can, you, you can totally blend in, right? Um, but, uh, um, but, but you also um, uh, um, lose identity... Um, you know, flatten society if you totally bleed in, right? So, um, so that's really the, the 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 wrestling of of Hanukkah is if you are um, too particularistic, too zealous, um, then uh, then you then you lose and die out. But if you're if you're too permeable, you also lose and die out. Um, Hanukkah is about the blending of the Hellenists and the Maccabees and some grand synthesis that enabled us to survive. So I'll let Rabbi Arson have the last word there. Your thoughts, comments, questions. I mean, it, it, it links nicely in, contemporary, in the contemporary world to post-liberalism. Mm. And this context is a current day assimilism, not something to be feared. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think that... Uh, um, what, what this suggests is, in, in a lot of ways, no, it's not something to be feared. Um, uh, in some ways, it is. Um, so it's, it's a, not a simple answer, right? Um, because it depends on the quality um, and the direction of the, of the assimilation. Right? Assimilation works in two different ways, right? Assimilation uh, works in terms of you assimilating into the outside culture, and assimilation works the other way too, of you allowing the outside culture to bleed into, um, in, into your particularity, right? Um, the second kind of assimilation, um, I think, is a net gain. The first kind of assimilation uh, is often a net loss, but you can't have one without the other, right? So if you want to, um, if you want to uh, be open to the ideas and, and insights of, uh, of of other cultures, 
then you have to be willing to be vulnerable to, um, to, to um, losing some people into the uni universalism, right, into the, into the generality. Um, but if you, if you aren't open, then you suffocate and die out, right? So, so, um, so the, the, first the first assimilation, first kind of assimilation is in some ways to be feared, but you can't fear it too much because if you fear it too much, then you close yourself off and you die out anyway, right? So you, you, you have to have both. So um, in the modern context, if you, the opportunity that Hanukkah presents is when you get all those questions from the, you know, because Hanukkah comes right. at Christmas time, right. and you get all those questions from the outside groups, it's an opportunity to explain who you are and what you are and why you do what you do in a way that is not non-threatening. and Because right. generally I find that when we started the conversation, it's when you're asked that question at this time of year, mm -hmm. it's in a very open and honest way. Right, right. And so it gives you, you could look at it like from the assimilation perspective, right. it gives you that opportunity yes. when somebody is searching for those answers to yeah. give them the answers and maybe even if you take it around to, well, no, Chris, you know, Hanukkah isn't our Christmas. Right. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are our Christmas. Well, what is that? Well, that this is what that is for yeah. us. Yeah. And then when Rosh Hashanah, I've had this, you know, then, oh, when, yeah. then when September comes <laughs> around and you are right. leaving work, right. and they go, oh, yeah, I get this is the Christmas, well, right? Well, right. <laughs> exactly. well, 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 last week, yeah. I mean, everybody right. asked me, how come you're not taking off for, the, for Hanukkah? Right. I mean, I said, you know, I have to explain the whole thing. Right. It's, it's a minor holiday, you know, and the time that we take off is on the whole. I said, I said I said this before. I totally would have said, you know, you're right. I'm going to take it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but instead, yeah. Saint Mary's, they, they yeah. cannot understand, and I explain. Yeah. I mean, here's I, I, the, the only question I don't like is when people go, "So do you celebrate Christmas?" And I'm, no, right. I do no, no, not. No, no, no. But, but, but actually, one of the nice ways to do it is to say. You celebrate and enjoy your holiday, and I'll cover for you. Yeah. While while you're out, yeah. I'll take care of all the responsibilities that you otherwise would have to have. Right. You know, so that you know, because you did that for me when I took off. Right. Right. I mean, and it becomes like a two-way street on this kind of. So so here's, and and because of the time, we'll we'll end with this out. I mean, here's here's really the um, the mind bender of this. Okay. Um, uh, it, it seems to me, looking at all the accounts of Hanukkah that we um, looked at, you know, there's certainly a historical story to be had there. Um, uh, but the, the rabbis, um, even though they give reference to the historical story, only really talk about the, the miracle of the lights, which the historical accounts don't really talk about. And even the historical accounts... Um, kind of go out of their way, especially Maccabees, the book of Maccabees goes out of its way to make the story happen in the middle of winter. If you think about that for a moment, the fact that the story goes out of its way to, to put itself in the middle of winter and the rabbis make it exclusively about the lights, one actually sees um, a, a very strong parallel with Christmas in that there may be a historical story at the kernel of Christmas, um, but a lot of scholars don't really think that that historical story has anything to do with the winter time um, of the holiday um, and the customs that exist surrounding the holiday, many of which have to do with lights, right? There's something elemental um, about um, taking the darkest time of the year and having rituals to illuminate it, 
right? And so we take that universal human drive and we put it in a Jewish particularity, right? And we say, oh yeah, it's about a miracle of oil lasting for eight days. So we light lights for eight days and we illuminate the darkness in that way, right? It's no, no wonder why the, the mitzvah of Hanukkah, you have to light the menorah at night. It has to be nighttime. You can't do it during the day. We keep it lit during the day in the synagogue, but the mitzvah is during the night, right? Um, and the same with Christmas. I mean, you know, like you, you light these lights, you go down, walk through the block, right? Why? That's so weird. Like, why are there no Easter lights, right? Why, why is there no Advent? What? Wait, wasn't the holiday of Christmas, didn't they base that date on a, on a pagan? Yes, right, exactly, right? So, the, right, right, the pagans were at least honest about it. The pagans, the pagans said, this is, the pagans were in, in sync with nature. This is the darkest time of year. The ritual we're going to have is, is to, to light up the dark, right? And that's what Hanukkah, that's what the rabbis wanted Hanukkah. Right? That's what I'm saying, right? I think they did. I think that's exactly what they did, right? Um, okay, but the situation at the Carp Taking down our sukkah yet that has lights, and so this morning David goes, "Well, maybe we should just leave it up for Hanukkah and try to light it." There you go. There you go. Um, so, uh, so, so what yeah. we share is biology, right? With all of us, and there's something called seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is which is real. I mean, yeah. is, I mean, it's 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 a time of year when people tend to get depressed. Yeah. I mean. And, and when people tend to see things in a negative light. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, or, if you will, in darkness, right. right? And so this is a time when it is adaptive for us right. as a species right. to surround ourselves with as much light as possible. Right. So that's, the, and, and, and because we're, we're, we're uh, beyond time, let me, we'll just end with this. I mean, Heschel taught that, um, that religion at its core is, uh, is an attempt uh, to answer man's ultimate questions, right? Um, and part of the challenge of modern religion is we've forgotten what the questions are. We, we now, we have the answers, but we've forgotten what the questions are, right? So Hanukkah is an answer to that question, exactly. Christmas is an answer to that question, too. Um, and so th- that's, that's the, the power of this is that, you know, you, you, can, you can talk about the historical story and you can talk about, you can say that that's the miracle. The rabbis divorced it from that almost entirely and said, what we're going to say is that, that, that the question that we're asking is, um, how do you bring light into, the, into, into a dark world, right? And that's what we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate illuminating the darkness because we have darkness in all of our lives, right? And, um, and the, the, the message that Judaism can bring is that we can bring light to a dark world.